On today's episode of the Cosmos Podcast, we continue our special sponsorship series. This episode focuses on a step-by-step process for how to conduct sponsorship meetings. Now, it may seem a bit crazy to devote an entire episode to one meeting, but as you'll hear Carrie discuss, it's a really important topic for sponsorship success. Before listening to this episode, if you haven't already, you may want to check out episodes 9, 11, and 13, as we built this series to be sequential and go step-by-step through the sponsorship sales process. Also, if you haven't already, you may want to subscribe to the Cosmos Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. If you have any questions about something discussed on the podcast, you can reach us by email or on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode four of our corporate sponsorship webinar series hosted by Cosmos Sports and Entertainment. I am Evan Colborn, Director of Business Development with Cosmos Sports and Entertainment, and this is uh, Carrie, uh, President of uh, Cosmos Sports and Entertainment. Uh, our webinar series today is brought to you by Central Counties Tourism and Sport Durham. So special thanks to uh, both those groups for uh, putting on this webinar series and, and allowing us to, uh, to host it. Um, as we go through, we're going to have some slides on the screen behind us here. If you find it difficult to see anything that's on the on the screen, uh, don't worry. We're going to make all the slides available to everybody who's been everybody who's registered for the webinar. Uh, so as long as you've registered and signed up ahead of time, you'll get a copy of the slides. Um, so don't worry if you can't see anything. Uh, we're going to reserve the last few minutes. I know we're running a few minutes late, uh, so apologies for that. But uh, we're going to reserve the last couple of minutes for Q and A. Uh, if you are a Google subscriber or you have a Google account and you're assume you're watching on the YouTube page. Uh, if you look in the top right corner of your screen, there's a live chat. You can uh, submit questions through there uh, anytime throughout the, the broadcast. If you're not a Google subscriber and you still have a question, you can send it by email. Uh, you can send it to info at cosmosports.com or you can go on, on to our website and under the About Us tab um, on the team page, you'll find all of our emails there. So feel free to send it directly to myself. You can send it to Carrie. Uh, or whoever. And same goes for if any questions come up after we're done here today. Um, If you think of something later and and it relates to anything sponsorship related, then uh, please send us a question. We're happy to uh, happy to address that. So uh, with the live chat, please submit questions as you think of them throughout the broadcast. There is a bit of a delay on on the broadcast. So um, if you wait to the last minute, we may not see the question before we actually wrap up here live. Um, So please submit the questions as you think of them. And uh, we've got Rebecca and uh, Michael uh, just off camera here that are monitoring the chat. Uh, so they'll get to all the questions um, uh, that we have time for at the end. So with that, so episode four, um, we're going to be talking about sponsorship meetings. And so, so far we've talked, we've talked about what sponsors want. We've talked about how to identify sponsorship inventory. Uh, we've talked about how to understand what that's worth. Uh, we've also talked about how to determine who to reach out to and um, how to understand who the, you know, who the right decision maker is that you want to be reaching out to to set up the meetings and, and then tactfully, you know, how, how do you reach out and actually do that, whether by phone or email or LinkedIn and, and things like that. So, um, so today's episode is really going to really going to dive into what do you do when after you've done that outreach, uh, and you've got a positive response and somebody's actually agreed to, uh, to an in person meeting is how are you going to conduct that meeting? Um, now it may seem like a little bit crazy to dedicate an entire episode to to one meeting, um, but you know we thought it was really important, and I know you think this topic's a really important one as well. Yeah, I, I do. I think that the um, I think a lot of people are afraid of the meet, of meetings. A lot of people on both sides, so both sponsors may want to avoid it because a meeting is in person. It's harder to say no. It's confrontational potentially, or it's at least can be stressful. Um, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of people with events or on what we say the property side of the business or some of you guys that are that are watching today the truth is you're reluctant to have a meeting and the reality is meetings are far far more successful than emails or phone calls are going to be so when people are saying email me a package um, you should want to do everything you can not to do that Uh, fill out a form email so if your goal is truly getting sponsors and i say to everybody here i assume that's the discussion as opposed to well i did my job i sent out 10 emails to companies and they replied or didn't reply or they gave me yeses or nos um 
if you really want to get sponsors, the, the sponsorship deals happen in meetings and initial meetings, not I have to get step one, two, three, four, and then have a meeting. You won't get to step four if you don't start with a meeting. So again, I think feels like maybe surprising that it's a full topic, but I think it's a, a really underrated one. I think that the, the meeting is where um, camaraderie is built and essentially where the beginning at least of transactions happen. Right. So a couple outcomes from, uh, from today's uh, topic. So we're going to go through a four-step process on, on meetings and, um, and how, to, how to conduct this initial needs analysis meeting with a, with a potential sponsor. We're also going to address how to really common question and, and something you're really trying to hope hoping to get out of the sponsorship meeting and this this initial meeting is a is a budget or, or a rough uh cost of, of kind of yep. something you put it, put into a proposal it can be a tough question to get an answer to so we're going to go through how to how to actually get an answer to that uh, we're also going to touch on some follow-up strategies and how to help yourself stand out even further once the meeting after the meeting's taking place and how you can follow up to uh to help um, help your cause so um one thing we did want to note at the beginning here is that uh, a theme throughout our, our episode so far has really been that it's all about them. And even at this stage, you know, now they've, they've agreed to uh, an in-person face-to-face meeting with us. Um, kind of think that that's probably because they see some sort of fit there, but it's even at, at this point, we're still, it's still all about them. We're not, the temptation might be there to jump in and start talking about ourselves, talk about our event or our property or, um, you know, the assets that we have and all that kind of stuff, but really have to resist that temptation and keep it really still all about them at this stage. Right. I, I would even sort of step back and say, you know, say once we've established a meeting, but um, even to get that meeting, we say, well, why would somebody meet with us? It depends how you word it. If you say, um, would you meet with me? Because I want you to tell me about, I want to tell you about our hockey team. You're unlikely to get a meeting. If, if you say, I'd like to meet you to learn more about Swiss Chalet or to learn more about RBC, um, that's a much harder meeting to turn down and see, you know, I'd like to learn more about RBC's goals and see if there even is a potential fit with us. So even getting the meeting, I think people are going to be saying, well, it's very hard to get a meeting, not are you asking the right question? It's very hard to get a meeting if you say, I'd like to tell you about our festival. Why would somebody who works at a bank and is busy with a hundred things today want to sit down with you and learn about your festival? Right. So I, I think even getting the meeting, there's a bit of an art to um, a skill to doing. That. Yeah. So, so to frame our, our scenario, um, so we've, we've set this whole webinar series up to be very sequential and, and following the, the sponsorship process uh, through step-by-step. So at this stage, really, so we've done we've done some pretty extensive research on on the company and and, hope, and the person that we're meeting with, um, based on what we can find online in terms of what they're interested in sponsorship or marketing and and the person specifically looking at their LinkedIn profile, things like that, trying to understand a little bit of what what they're interested in and, and what they care about. Uh, so we've done that research. Um, we've also done we've developed a pretty good understanding of our organization, our properties and assets, and uh, what we have available to to offer if it gets to that stage and roughly what some of those things might be worth. Uh, so we have a pretty good understanding there. We've reached out, uh, we've gotten a positive response. They've agreed to, uh, we've agreed to take a meeting and, and we've identified through that research, we've identified an initial uh, fit based on, on that research. There's some reason there that we think makes sense to, to have a meeting and, and, uh, and we've mentioned that to them. And then at this stage, they, they tend to agree. So everything uh, going well so far. Um, so you show up at the meeting, um, really, I mean, how, how are you getting started? Like, well, what's the, what's that first couple minutes of the, uh, the meeting really looking well, like? I, I think there's a rapport building, uh, it's on the slide there, but I think rapport building is not traffic and weather. You know, I think that, that, that can be, but that's a default. Everybody's going to say, how's your day? Are you busy? What's the traffic? You, you really haven't built, you may do that while you're walking in the building. Uh, but I think rapport building is more, um, you know, a good question, for instance, is, uh, you know, do you mind if I ask? And by the way, do you mind, I think I may have mentioned the previous summer, things like do you mind if I ask is a very good way to say, to ask a question because it, it leaves them the ability to say no. Most people say yes. But do you mind if I ask how long you've been at uh, Pet Valley or how long you've been at Squishelle? 
Um, that's a good starter. Again, it's talking about them and themselves or, you know, or you can look at their job title, you know, you're meeting with the marketing manager and saying, you know, I'd like to get a sense of, you know, what, what, what is it, what, you know, what is a marketing, marketing manager at country style coffee or what is a marketing manager? At? You know, what is, if you don't mind me, if you don't mind me asking, what do you, so I think there's a rapport building, which is again, more than a generic, it's cold outside but much less than uh, talking about the conversation. If you can get to a place where they're comfortable and they're not looking at you as a, generally people are looking at you as a meeting as an inconvenience, right? Half an hour, not well spent. So if you can do something to shift that and build a bit of a relationship, uh, it's obviously going to help. Yeah. So in, the, in that first couple of minutes, you also want to, you know, you want to read them a little bit to see what, what kind of meeting is this going to be? Because you, you you might get some people that are very open to that, you know, small talk in the beginning, want to build some rapport, but you might get somebody who's just really, I want to get right down to business. I've got a half an hour. Let's go. Yeah, it's hard. You know, this is a hard thing to teach. I mean, but we, we use the term that you have to be a bit of a chameleon. You know, if you're meeting uh, in a corporate office, as opposed to meeting somebody at a wings restaurant and you have exactly the same demeanor, you may fail at both places. Um, so I think you have to, you have to try and um, maintaining your integrity and you'll say, people say, be yourself. Well, that's true, but people have multiple selves. You don't talk to your uh, parents the same way you talk to a friend, the same way you talk to a stranger, the same way you talk to somebody in business. So I think it's the same thing in this environment. If somebody's says, Hey, I like to, I don't have, you know, for instance, if they start the meeting by saying, Hey, apologies, but I only have 20 minutes or something like that. That's using an indication that they want to get to the point that right. you saying, uh, isn't it a beautiful day outside is not going to be great. There's other situations where it's, where you don't want to jump in and say, okay, let's go to slide one. So I think you, um, you, you, you try and gauge the situation. It's again, hard to train for, but if you, if you're observing and you're listening, uh, you can, you know, you can quickly get at a lot of information. Right. Hard to train, but it's probably more of a practice thing that you need, right. to, need to do. So yeah, for sure. Um, so th there's one, one kind of thing that you like to do a lot of times when, in, you know, initial part of a meeting, which is ask for a tour of the business. Um, so maybe you just tell us a bit of, you know, why, why do you like to do that? What, what, what are you hoping to get out of that? Yeah, I think I'm hoping to get a couple of things. First of all, people are very proud of their business. So generally, and you know, again, you could tour a hair salon. I think I mentioned that example before. You can tour a, tour a small restaurant or you can tour a uh, dental office. In other words, there's, it doesn't have to be a really interesting, intricate factory or some, but that some, uh, uh, so what it does, a couple of things. One, it definitely builds rapport. Now, this would be more in the meeting where you feel like you have a fair bit of time there as opposed to a quick in and out. Um, you truly get to learn about their business. You're going to learn things in those 10 minutes or 20 minutes. People are generally excited about it. Not a lot of other people in your position have asked to have a tour before. Now, all that's great. But what I would say is if you do a tour as a ploy, that, hey, I watched a seminar and Carrie and Evan said to do a tour, you, your tours are not going to be very good. You have to really want, you have to be curious. And if you're curious about their business, what they do, it's going to lead you in good places. If you're doing it because you feel you have to, you shouldn't do it. Right. So for me, I am truly curious. And I also know, you know, the self-serving part is that the more I know about their business, the more opportunity we're going to build rapport and the more opportunity probably we're going to work together. But you, you sort of got to start, you have to do it with integrity. And again, so I think you have to, Tours are a great idea, but you have to want to do it. You have to, this is the whole thing that I said earlier. For those who are in sponsorship, um, do you want to be successful? In it? And if you look at it as a chore or I have to do this or we're not doing well, and some of you guys listening may feel like you're in that position. The unfortunate thing about that, you're very unlikely to be successful. If you look at it, take pride in it and saying, I'm going to do something good for this business. That I'm meeting with. I want to learn about them. I want to help them out. I want to do something for their business. And I believe that sponsorship may be more valuable than 
their digital advertising, you know, what they're doing with Facebook or if they're doing any traditional radio or stuff like that, if you really believe that working with your festival is going to be good for them, you buy in and you believe it. And so that's a big part of it. But yeah, touring shows that you care about them. Yeah. So even in an office environment, um, something maybe is not particularly unique, uh, you'd still want to do that tour? Usually, I mean, I'd say, you know, I would say if, if it's a if it's a traditional office, maybe not. I mean, I was at a meeting yesterday and I asked if their factory was on site with the intention of doing a tour. They said no. And it really was an office with a small office. So I didn't ask for the tour, but I've said, I've also said I've been in some really interesting offices where you walk around and you're fascinated by uh, what they're doing in different apartments. The other thing, so let's say, take that example of an office, right? You think, okay, well, let's say they give you a tour, you're walking around, or even, even if the distance it takes to walk from when you get into the boardroom, it's great to say, well, you know, what are those guys doing over there? Oh, how, how does, you know, you say, oh, that's our digital apartment, or these guys are in purchasing, or these guys. So again, there's a lot of opportunities within the situation to ask questions and you don't know where they're going to lead. They may not lead anywhere, but they may lead into an opportunity. So, um, yeah, do I, is it always the case? Absolutely not. But it's a good thing to have in your mind that, uh, um, especially what I would say is when there's factories. So people take a lot of pride in their factory and their distribution and their storage. And if so, there's a big factory in the back and it's fascinating, frankly, to, to see it, you'd see, you know, usually people are amazed how, what goes on in that business. So I think a factory or a machine shop or um, pretty interesting. So yeah, again, you have to gauge that you have time to do it, but it's generally a good rule. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so now you've done, you've built a little bit of rapport and maybe done some small talk. You've done a tour of their business. Um, you know, out of respect for the person's time, you do eventually want to get to the point yeah. and get to the business. So, um, so how do you, how do you kind of transition from, Okay, I'm, I'm building rapport now. I need to let's. I want to talk about what I came here to talk about. Yeah, softly. So first of all, I think that the I think if again, and you know, a lot of these examples sound harder to implement. It's uh, you know, and I think experience covers a lot of it. But it's a soft transition. So if somebody, for instance, somebody's saying, "Oh, you know, in marketing, I do, uh, um, we do events." three times a year and I run our staff barbecue. And if you can say, and let's say you're a team that sells hockey tickets. If you can say, Oh, it's interesting staff barbecue. Do you ever do anything like that in the winter? You know, well, why do you ask? Well, just, you know, something, you know, a lot of, a lot of groups that, you know, one of the things that companies can do that do barbecues in the summer or do golfing events in the summer banquets is consider um, bringing your staff out to a hockey game in the winter. So there's lots of different ways to do it. I, I think what I would say is do it softly. So saying the bad things, the hard things are very bad. So if you're, let's say you're partway through and you say, well, yeah, let's get, you know, I wanted to get to the point or uh, the reason that I came in or, you know, I know we're, I know your time is limited when you don't really know their time is limited. Um, those are bad. Those are hard stops. And the problem with doing hard stops is it really makes the impression that the first part that you didn't really care about the tour or what their background is. We say, Hey, you know, the reason we came in or you know, why we're here today is to talk about sponsorship. That's very cold. Yeah. And that really makes it like, even if you did care at the beginning, it sort of throws that away. It says like, you know, I here to talk. that was just small talk. Yeah. Whereas, uh, so, Less specific, more saying, if it takes an extra couple minutes to do it, just a softer approach is a better way. Yeah. So once you get into, you know, into the the next phase, really, I mean, really, what you're you're trying to do is you you've done a fair bit of research already, so you're really looking to qualify that research and, um, you know, hear it firsthand. So right. you, you can get what you can by online, but you're trying to hear it from the source directly right. that that's exactly what they are interested right. in. And, um. And do your research, you know, just I mean, do your research. So if, you know, you, you need to be prepared for the question where they say, what do you know about us? Take that one question, guys, and say, what do you know about our company? Are you ready for that question? 
doesn't mean you have to know. You're not going to know as much as them. But you want to be saying, oh, I know you're St. Louis Wings, and I know you started in Chicago, and you've got 20 locations in Canada, and two of them are right here in Waterloo. And that, you know, you guys are, your wings is, your, you're proud of your wings, but you, you've done a lot of stuff in, uh, you're selling hamburgers the last few years. Basic stuff, front page of their website probably tells you a lot of that or a little yeah. bit about us. You know, go to about us, go to services. But do your homework because the worst thing to do is if you go into a situation and and what kind of sponsorship have they done? Like, you know, you're going in from a sponsorship perspective. You know, it's Google's a great thing. It's not, it doesn't take long to find out if you Google the company that you're meeting and the word sponsorship. And some things come up or partnerships or marketing or events. Um, it's good. You may not even use those. It may not, may not come up, but it's good to kind of know that kind of stuff. You know, what's their slogan? Um, do you know their mission statement or their slogan? Like, again, it's limited information, but you should have that going in. Right. Um, and this opportunity, too. I mean, you can, again, you can find what you can online about a, a particular you know, person, look at their LinkedIn profile things like that, but uh, you know, you're trying to also learn about them um, and what what do they care about? What are they interested in? Because like we talked about in some of the earlier episodes, you know, bias comes is a big deciding factor when it comes to actually making a sponsorship decision. So yeah. um, it's what's important to them as well as, as the organization. So, That's true. It's very important. I mean, so, and yeah, not, uh, the individual may, it's hard for them to leave their bias out of it. So if they have kids that are involved in certain sports or they do things or they have hobbies you know the people there's a tendency to gravitate in that direction so yeah, yeah if you can know something about them that helps yeah. Yeah. um so really the, the the meat of the the meeting the the bulk of what you're you're doing is is asking these open-ended questions and like you said it, during the tour is having genuine curiosity about about the answers and not yeah. not just doing it you know because you know, we said to on the, on this uh, webinar, but it's it's because you're legitimately curious about their their business, and and you're also you're asking questions that you're you know hoping are going to uh, provide you some insight that can help you uh, right. you know with your with your sponsorship. And right. so in in a way, I guess you you know you're acting as a bit of a a bit of a marketing consultant. You're trying to understand you know who their who their target market is, what they've done in the past, like you said, you know what what have, what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, what types of activations they really like to do. Um, so a lot of a lot of open-ended questions that where you're you're legitimately curious, but so th there's that expression, you know, there's no such thing as a bad question. Um, but is that is that the case in in this kind of context? Yeah, I mean, I think there's better questions than others. I, I think an example. I don't think it's on the slide here, but I think one model that I like is a doctor. You know, a doctor. You know, think of if you walk in. I know I'm jumping ahead here on the slides, but if you walk in and say, "Here's our deck. Here's our presentation. Here's our." proposal or here's who we are that's sort of like if you walk to a doctor's office and he or she says here's two advils for your head hello evan here's two advils see or here i'm let's put a splint on your finger you're like i didn't hurt my finger so the, what a doctor does is it's lots of open end it's like you know what happened why are you here uh well i hurt my leg i was I don't know, I fell down. Okay, what happened? Is it bruised? When, how long ago did it happen? All that information, they take in all that information prior to even considering a diagnosis or what medicine you have. I think, again, if you think of yourself that way and asking questions that determine, like you have your world, which is your, the things that potentially you could fit them into. And I think sometimes the fear is to think, well, if I ask all these open-ended questions, it may not come back to they want tickets to an event. It may not, but tickets to an event, for instance, can be for employees. They can be for customers. They can be philanthropy. They can be donated through charity. They can be a group uh, coming out. They can be a community group. So um, I think if you open yourself up and ask those open-ended questions, you know, you have more remedies, diagnosis, uh, things available at your disposal than you might think. Right. Um, so anyways, I think that, I think that the questions are the good questions for lack of a better word are the ones that get information out of them. And, and I think the other thing is too, you have to be, this is the whole sort of 
you know, it's tricky at the beginning, but if you're reading off a list of questions, it's not, it's not as good. If you're, if you ask question one or two and they give you an interesting answer, delve deeper into the answer. Yes. Some of that comes with experience, but again, if you want it to feel interactive rather than, um, they're filling out a multiple choice test. Right. Um, so there is a, when, when thinking of questions to ask, I mean, there, there is some risk in, uh, and you don't want to go uh, on the one hand, you know, things that the information that's readily available on their homepage, yeah. um, you want to show that you've done, done some research right. and you've at least looked at the, the website. Right. So you don't want to be asking questions about things that are right on their homepage. Right. Um, but you also don't want to go the other side and then go overly complicated or too technical. Right. And, and in some cases you can risk even embarrassing the person. If you... Yeah. The first part, first of all, so what's your mission statement? It's a terrible question. So, you know, there are bad things. What's your vision? What's your mission statement? And let, because that's your first one. It means you didn't, you know, what's important to you. Some of that, you know, that's a variation of it. But, um, and I agree. I think if you get too complicated and get in technical aspects, first of all, they may not know the answer and now you're embarrassing them. Uh, two, it just may not be relevant or you, you get pulled so far away in a direction that you can't find your way back. Um, and, you know, to try and keep it topical too. So I think, yeah, I think there's a happy medium there is asking, asking questions. So if you, again, you do your research and you look on the website, that's going to create questions for yourself. You may see their mission statement, but the question might be, well, what do they mean by that? Or you might see that they believe in health and wellness as a pillar. And you could say, well, I just want to understand, understand health and wellness. What do you guys mean by that? Well, that's kind of exciting. They've had discussions about that. That's the kind of thing where people can get excited. Um, great. Um, so very similar, I guess, to, to, you know, reading that, you know, reading the other person in the early part of the meeting and then being able to kind of understand where to, where to take the meeting and questions. Again, it's going to be practice, you, you know, early stages, if, you know, your first couple of times doing this, probably okay to have a few prepared questions. Right. Um, but over time you're going to get better and better at it and be able to yeah. you know, dig deeper. Into no, it's a good point. I, I don't want to say, I mean, I, you know, I've done this for a while and been a lot of done a lot of sponsorship and I, I think I don't use whatever crutches and tools and are going to help you in the meetings I mean it, so don't yeah you can't it's hard to wing all of it and do all that stuff it's not, not going to be comfortable with it. so yeah use whatever tools help you to get there but also you know there's there's a truth in being humble and honest and yourself too as opposed to being um pushy or aggressive. And I think that comes with uh, most people, that's their human nature is to be conversational and friendly. And so, you know, I think if you, if you overstress yourself out that, Hey, I'm going into a meeting with RBC and I'm, this is really important and it's nervous and I got to convince them to do sponsorship and you're going to mess it up. If you go into a meeting and try to, and you walk in and you see that they have a really neat branch at RBC and you say, Oh, this is really cool. What's, what's the story on this table? If you're so focused on the meeting, you're not going to think that way. And it's important that to whatever degree you can, I'm not going to be able to take all the stress away from that situation. But if you can try and um, take it in, for lack of a better word, you're going to be more effective in the meeting. Yeah. So just a couple examples here um, of some questions. You know, Again, you want to understand who their target audience is, what... What have they done in the past that's worked for them? Uh, what hasn't worked in the past? Those types of things. A lot of, a lot of. I mean, there's no end to the questions you could yeah. you could ask. But again, want want them to be relevant and the purpose. But um, great. So, so again, we said you know the the questions and and that dialogue is really going to be the bulk. It's going to be the the majority of the meeting. Um, but at some point, again, you have to kind of transition to. To the next step, and then and the next step really in, in this um, in this meeting is is not so much to transition to talking about uh, talking about ourselves. It's in some ways you know transitioning to getting them to invite a proposal or getting them to agree that yes you know I, I also see a fit here. Uh, I'd be open to, to seeing more. Yeah, and I think what you're really potential fit. You know, I think it's hard on the spur of the moment to come up with exactly what the proposal is. I mean, more often than not the first meeting or first meeting sometimes is taking in a lot of information and then going back, 
trying to digest that and say, what does this mean? And is there a proposal that could work? So there's nothing wrong with saying, um, in essence, leaving and saying, you know what, that's really interesting stuff. I want to go back to see if there's a proposal that might fit. So don't panic and think that you necessarily have to find a match uh, in the meeting. But as you said, I think you want to, if you can create some seeds of intrigue. So um, if we put something together that would be good for your customers, would that be something you're interested in? Or, you know, if, you know, our events, would you be interested in uh, your name on a stage or naming rights? Or do you want, you know, is sampling something that's interesting? Um, and, you know, part of it too is, uh, you're going to get some no's in the process. So one thing you got to be careful is if somebody says sampling is not into you, you're really excited that you've got a festival and sampling's great. And they say, well, you know what, for our business, really, we don't, it's too hard for us to be doing sampling of our shampoo products. Or, and if you say, well, why is that? Or in other words, if you're confrontational there, you're probably not going to, get very far. So I think it's better to say, well, then when you go to events in the past, what does work for you? And they may say, well, it's branding, or we do like to do something interactive with, we just like to collect names, or we like to give away coupons, or and then they go back to Shoppers Drug Mart and buy the shampoo. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason and a history for why different companies do different things. So um, again, you don't want to be confrontational and you know you in so in short that transition or to get the discussion going is really trying to get a sense from them or what of the what are the kind of things that you know one good question is what are the kind of things that have worked for you in sponsorship in the past have you ever done any experiential events have you ever done any sort of entertainment options Okay, and what are they, and have they worked? Do they haven't? And so they say no. You know, have you ever considered it? Um, you know, one you you can throw some nuggets like you know one of the things with entertainment options is um, there's a high loyalty factor. People are in a good frame of mind, and you know, again, is it something you'd consider? So I think what you want to do, as you say, is get them comfortable to a second meeting. You know, what you're really selling in the first meeting is the second meeting where you'll have, you know, you'll have more time to really think it through. And, and the other thing I would say, it's really important. Take good notes. You'll think on the spur of the moment that you're going to remember everything, you know, the, the way it's the, the way most people are is they think in the moment that it's very, they've got it and it's current and they know it well, life gets in the way. And you're going to forget. So if you take really good notes and, you know, put it into a CRM system and kind of, you know, really um, listen and take notes, I think when you come back, now you have time to turn, you know, to match those notes with your notes. So look at your, you know, you can sit home to your office and match your deck per se, or your rate card with all the notes you just got at the meeting. And what's, Pretty interesting is you'll probably find some matches that maybe you didn't see at the time. Yeah. Um, so one another thing that um, uh, that we've talked about that was really important at, at this stage, assuming assuming there's a fit and, and you think there's there's an opening for um, for a proposal, mm -hmm. um, that next meeting is yeah. and you can try to set that next meeting in the um, and the example that uh, that I know you've, you use quite a bit is, is like a dentist. So, yeah. you know, if you think of at the, at the dentist office, before you leave, usually the last thing they do is they set your next appointment, which you know, could be nine months down the road um, on a Tuesday at 2 p.m., but you still set that appointment. Yeah, people, people have, people are sort of afraid of this. A lot of this whole discussion is people are afraid of persistence and follow-up and setting times and asking for dollars. We're going to talk about that in a minute, asking for dollars. Dentists are relent relentless. They, they have no shame. In, in other words, and at that point, right? Yeah. The dentist will ask you if you're available on September 2nd at 11 a.m. Most people, for sure me, have no idea if I'm available. There's certain pockets of time I might know I'm not available, but I 
probably don't know what I'm doing Wednesday, September 2nd. But they set the time. And if you say no, you say, okay, how about Wednesday, September 9th? You should do the same thing. And, and sooner rather than later. So a good thing in the meeting is saying, you know, would you be available um, this time next week? Is a good one. You know, one thing true about that is, you know, three o'clock on a Wednesday was good because you're sitting there at three o'clock on Wednesday. Right. So sometimes a good time to reschedule is the exact same time a week later. Um, again, you need enough time where you can get your proposal ready. So maybe it's two weeks. Two weeks is, I typically will do two weeks maybe, but not six weeks. Right. That's your problem. Like you can't say, well, I'd like six weeks to get myself organized. So yeah, I think if you can set the meeting while you're sitting there and now everybody's got their calendar on their phone, um, that's an advantage. Yeah. Right. So, so one of the questions, I mean, the most, you know, the most important pieces of information you can really get out of the, out of this initial needs analysis meeting, yeah. also one of the more difficult ones for people to, to actually get an answer to is, um, so if, if there's interest on both sides, what's what's a budget that we could work with? And um, so, so how do you ask that question? Yeah, so it's a good, I think first of all, people are terrified to ask. So yeah. I think money is a very sensitive, you know, you don't ask your, you know, most people know a lot of things about their brother, or sister, or best friend, but you probably don't know how much money they have. And people are very, you know, you could say, if I said to you, you know, everything about your best friend, oh, I know everything about my best friend. Um, what's her salary? Most people said, uh, guess I said, no. Why are you guessing? You never asked them, they're your best friend. You never asked them their exact salary and commissions, length of contract. And so it's a very sensitive, people are generally sensitive about money. Similarly, uh, people are afraid to ask. And again, it's not really budget. A better way to say is maximum budget. You know, what? what's a maximum budget or what, you know, ideally what you'd be able to. So people first of all, are afraid to ask the question. So, and they start overthinking, well, they're not going to tell me. Well, you don't know that. Um, it's important because if, if you ask somebody what their maximum budget for a program is, and they say, they might say it's only $20,000. And you might've walked in thinking you're only going to propose $3,000. They might say it's only $3,000 and you were going to propose 20. And it's an important question and it's also important to get the real answer. So, um, and you have to be persistent. So some, you'll say the most common, here's how the most common one goes is, um, you know, do you mind if I ask what's your budget or what's your maximum budget? It's said, oh, we really don't have one or we've spent it or it changes year to year. And so ask again, a different one. So at that moment, say, okay, just, you know, we're going to work on a proposal for you. I just don't want to be way out of line um, or do something that, so if you have, can give me sort of a, a range or an example of some other events you've done and how much you've spent or, so you may need to ask two or three or four times in different ways. Right. And again, I, we use the language here, polite and persistent, persistent and polite. As long as you're polite continuously, you can be persistent. And I think they go hand in hand saying, look, you could say, sorry, I know I'm asking you a few different ways. You say that. Sorry, I'm asking a few different ways, but um, it would really be helpful. At some point, you walk away and say, okay, well, I, it sounds like there's no. Uh, another one is people say my 2018 budget spent. So my, my answer is great. Um, great, we can get a head start in 2019. So do you have a sense on what your 2019 budget might be? And let's meet and talk about that. And the truth is, there's a good chance when you have that 2019 meeting, if there's something that's really exciting for them, they'll put it in their 2018 meeting. Right. Um, so again, you're right, Evan. It's a very tricky question, but it's it's not as bad as people make it out to be. There's a way more people that are just afraid to ask the question. Uh, it's important. When you go back, it's a really helpful information if you got it. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to touch on the, the word maximum. Because I, I know it's a really important point. Yeah. Um, uh, the distinction between what's your budget and what's your maximum budget. Maybe you can touch Yeah, on I that. like to say, you guys can see I'm having a Tim Hortons, my Tim Hortons coffee or the tea. Um, if I ask you how much you spend at Tim Hortons, you might say 
two dollars. Might say zero, but you would say two dollars. How much do you usually spend at Tim Hortons? Two dollars. What's the most you've ever spent at Tim Hortons in your life for yourself? Twelve dollars. Totally different answer. So, yeah. if you're and so how does that apply? If you say to somebody, "What's your budget?" and they have a million dollars of marketing. They only plan to spend five thousand dollars on the hockey team. Then, ah, my budget is probably about five thousand dollars. If you say, in a perfect world, if we brought you the best case scenario, and you shifted funds from other places, and you found that our and I would say all these words sometimes, and you found that our investment was the best investment in your entire marketing portfolio, what is the most that you guys possibly consider spending? $300,000. They just went from five to a hundred. Maximum is a short version to kind of say that, but I think you're, they're two entirely different questions. So the person listening to this that thinks we're saying, what's your budget is asking the wrong question. The question is what, again, what's the most you would consider spending at Tim Hortons? That it's a more valuable. And you, you may end up with the $3,000. They may come back and do the $5,000 for sports. But um, it's good for you to know what the potential is. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how, how often this happens, but you know, in some cases, you might come across somebody that is asking, is prompting that question themselves, asking, you know, what, what's the cost? What's the level of investment we're looking at here? Um, you know, how, how would you kind of address that? Yeah. If I mean, I'd rather it's a bit of a game of chicken, and I sort of like to do it later or have the proposal or get their budget. But sometimes you're pressed, right? You're saying, look, I can't, I don't know my budget. I need to know what the size of your package is. You know, what I will typically say is we have a big range. We have opportunities from $500 to $100,000. And the ones higher up really provide the best value. Something like that. So you're, it's not a straight answer. It's a curved answer. But it's saying there's a range, but the or something like, you know, our most our happiest partners are spending ten thousand about ten thousand dollars a year. And that means somebody could be spending five hundred dollars, but the, the companies that get the most value are spending in the you know ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year. So it's a version of an answer. Um, what I really don't what I really want to discourage is, and it's the truth. The truth is if somebody buys a sign. At your event, they're probably getting the least value of anything, as opposed to a interactive larger package, which is by definition going to be more expensive. Um, so you touched on it a little bit, but you know you might come across somebody who's just really difficult. They're not going to, they're not budging in on on any of the questions you ask yeah. five different ways. Um, so at that point, you, know, you really don't have much to go on. But so what are you going to think of in terms of a a budget to propose when you I think larger rather I think first of all you want to put things together and I think come up with something large like large but fair that you get excited about because they it's easy they can take something out it's much less likely if you give somebody a $500 package that they're going to say you know what I want to spend $5,000 this is great I'd like to do 10 of these but if you propose $50,000 they might say $50,000, this is crazy. And you have to be ready to say, well, we wanted to put everything in there. And this could be at a meeting and you're going back to the second question because they never, never gave you the money. Like what would be the most you guys would consider? Oh, 5,000, okay. Well, there's portions in there that we, you know, we could probably find something for that. Yeah. But I think if you start higher, I think it's this fear of somebody saying, you showed me a $50,000 package, I'm going home. Like I'm done. I'm not doing anything with you because the number you showed me is too high. I think you have to be prepared. That, that's very rare. Showing a lot, the more likely is that you just quickly have to be able to scale it back. So you want to be aggressive, but I mean, and again, that's in a situation where you don't um, have it. Now you could have two or three different options. I usually prefer one, but you could have two or three that are tiered, but make sure if you do that, the, the meatiest one, the one that's the most exciting, is the largest one. If they look similar, then uh, people are going to migrate to the smaller opportunity. Yeah. Right. Um, so the follow-up is um, a topic we also wanted to talk about. Um, so you've, you've 
asked your open-ended questions. You hopefully got a good answer on the budget question. Um, feel like you've got everything you need to develop a proposal. You're taking it back to your office. Uh, but in the meantime, in between this meeting and the next meeting, um, there shouldn't be silence. Anyway, there should be some sort of follow-up. Um, wh why do you think that's important? Like, what's, why is that something that we, sh we should be doing as opposed to, you know, are people really are people going to miss it if it doesn't happen? Or? Yeah, I think it's a thank you. I think it's more common courtesy than anything. So I think you met somebody, hopefully built up a good rapport, yes or no. Um, it's saying, you know, thanks for their time. I mean, what they did give up, no matter what, is half an hour, an hour of their time. And I think the most important part of that follow up is a thank you. And but if there's some takeaways of some things were discussed you're going to do or they're going to do that's a good place to mention and by the way those emails should be short if they're sort of larger than that it's too long i get way too many emails that are too long i've got probably three or four today about people with ideas and i'm not reading them. i'm i just think it's and that you know, unfortunately for people I, i'm there's a lot of people in my position if something's not going to catch your attention quickly you may just, you may not look at it at all. Right. Um, so some follow-ups, I mean, you, you mentioned email. Um, that's probably the standard uh, that most people come to expect is, you know, they're going to get a, an email um, from you thanking them for the time. Um, but there's some some unique ways that we've seen people use utilize that follow-up to further differentiate themselves or further help their cause. Um, you know, handwritten notes or something that uh, yeah. you hear mentioned a lot. Um, concept that we've we've kind of been talking about is a you know branded usbs so you know some usbs a lot of people use them and if you can have kind of a unique leap behind that somebody's actually going to use as opposed to end up in the recycling bin or the trash then um you know something yeah it's a great it's modern version of a pen you know usb like you guys were telling me is like nine dollars now so you know is it worth a nine dollar investment for somebody who could be a partner probably so um yeah you know those are uh it's anything like that's good. If yeah. you have two tickets to an upcoming event, you can give them two tickets, regardless of if they're sponsoring or four tickets or something. That's a nice leave leave away too. Yeah. Great. Um, so we've gone this kind of the bulk of the presentation we've gone through, uh, and you know some people might be might be wondering, okay, when but when do I bring out my deck? When this whole presentation was all still all about them? When do I talk about me? Yeah, I think it depends. I think you have it with you. I think if they bring it up, I think it's a good time. I think it's to have something with you that you could talk about, that you're comfortable, that you have that security with you. But I, um, it's hard to answer because answer because each situation is a little bit differently. But I think um, uh, my guess is if you're you're not most people aren't bringing it out too late. So sometimes it's a leave away. Sometimes it's just you leave the meeting and you leave them and say, hey, we didn't get, you know, I know you were in a rush. If you want to learn more about us, here it is. Sometimes it's late in the meeting. Hey, I'm going to walk you through. But even if you're doing that, by the time you've had all that discussion, the deck itself, some of it will apply. So the general stuff, hey, here's a little bit about us and here's our demographics and stuff. But the specifics um, may not apply anymore when you got to the end of the meeting. So I think you have to, you have to be honest. So if they talk for a half an hour and then you show the deck, and it's as if you didn't you didn't have a meeting. Yeah. So you're saying, oh, look at our, our boards. These are our boards we have. And 10 minutes ago, they just said, we don't want boards. Um, you know, you've got to have the common sense to say, hey, the, this is the page about boards, but I know that's not something for you. Let's move on. Yeah. So I think it, again, it's got to be real as opposed to contrived. Yeah. It's it's okay, I guess, to, to leave this meeting having really talked all about them yes, again. Yes. And, because uh, that that might feel a bit uncomfortable for some people that I didn't I had this meeting and I didn't actually end up talking about anything that um, uh, anything about us. Uh, that's okay. You can kind of save that for the next meeting. That's really what we're going to talk about in the in the next one. Is you're taking all that research and all the information yep. you've gathered about them, and then you're putting it into something really unique for them yep. as opposed to a standard deck, like you said. So yep. um, great. So, so that kind of brings us to the end of, uh, of our presentation today. So hopefully takeaways um, from today's presentation are the, you know, you're using meetings to, to qualify the research that you've done online, uh, to learn more about them, to learn more about the person and the decision maker that's going to be making that decision. Um, you're, you want to try to get some 
sense of a budget. You may not get the, you're likely not going to get an exact number, but you want to get some sort of ballpark that gives you some guidance on, on the proposal and the size that, uh, that you can put together. Um, and you know, you want to utilize your follow-ups as a, as a way to further differentiate yourself in a, in a way to, uh, um, to not let the momentum kind of die in between, in between meetings. If you are, you know, even if it's a week or two, you know, you want, you don't want that momentum from the first meeting, that excitement to be forgotten even in that short time period. So, um, so really important topic may, again, may seem kind of crazy to spend an episode talking about one meeting in particular, but really important meeting and, and can really drive, um, really determine a lot of the success you're going to find. Yeah. And to me, the most important thing was in the beginning. If there's one thing to take away, it's that you need to want meetings. People tend to say, well, the company asked for an email. So what you as a, you want to be in meetings. The success rate in meetings might be 300% higher than it will be by phone calls and emails. So in any case where the geography is close, where you're in driving distance, if it takes an hour or it takes 10 minutes, you're much better off having an in-person meeting than any electronic or phone correspondence if you can. Great. Okay. So um, any uh, questions? Uh, so we have one question this afternoon. So in the event that you left your uh, sponsorship meeting and you're putting together a proposal and you uncover, you still have a couple blanks to fill in. There are a couple questions that you still uh, need answered. Is it better just to make a quick call to the prospect and ask, or is it better to set up a whole new meeting or what is your recommendation? Uh, what I find in that is I, I don't think it, a call's probably unlikely it's going to work. I think an email, I think you can send an email saying there were a couple just, you know, we're working on the proposal. There are a couple of quick questions. I think use the words quick and couple. And if you have 20 questions, you're probably not going to get 20 answers. So I think part of it too, is it's on you. Sometimes it's on you to figure out the answers. There's going to be some limited information. And sometimes the company doesn't know the answer to certain questions and you still have to come up with creative answers. Even if and that, I think expecting too much from the sponsor is a problem too. You have to be creative and you, you know, what I would answer more than anything is you probably, you can ask those questions, but you probably have to fill in your own blanks a lot of times. Yeah. So. Great. All right. Um, so thanks very much, everybody. Uh, so our next episode, there's a slight change in the time. So our next episode is actually going to be on Tuesday, March 20th at 2 PM. Uh, so not Wednesday, it's going to be on Tuesday, March 20th. Um, so slight change to the schedule there, but uh, hope everybody can make it. Special thanks again to Sport Durham and Central Counties Tourism for putting on this webinar series. Um, thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Special thanks to Carrie for joining me again today, and special thanks to Central Counties Tourism and Sport Durham for helping us put on the sponsorship series. As always, if you have any questions about something mentioned on the podcast or anything related to the business of sports and entertainment, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us by email or on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. My name is Evan Goldborn. Thank you very much for listening.